Welcome to the Once in Future Authors Podcast. I'm Stephanie, and I am so excited today to be joined by author Karen Strock. Karen is the author of Married Women Who Love Women and More. And this book is not just a book, it is actually a life-changing experience for the readers, and I dare say our writer. So please welcome author Karen Strock. So glad you're here with me. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. Oh, yeah. absolutely. You know, I, you and I were chit-chatting before about how your book is, is beyond, you know, I had a good story to tell. I mean, first of all, it's your story also, but you wanted to make sure that a message got out, that people are empowered by even just finding the book on a shelf. Can you share a little bit with our listeners what was the impetus behind writing the book in the first place? Well, I was married for 25 years. I was sitting across the table from my best friend and I looked at her and I thought, oh my God, I'm in love with this woman. And I, I didn't know what to do with it. Our friendship was based on such openness and honesty though that within a week I was telling her how I felt and my feelings were not reciprocated. And I went on a quest to find out, was it just her or was I one of those women? Was I a lesbian? I had no idea. I lived in New York, but I had no connection with that community. I knew no no gay people. I knew nothing where to go, what to do. And I started on a quest. And what I found was the more women I spoke to, the more women knew women who had similar experiences or they themselves had had them. And um, I started writing an article and I realized well, I had gone to a writer's conference and uh, one of the topics was good book titles. And I was, I was just too lazy to think of one. So I thought, well, I'll use the title that I'm using for my article. I said, what about married women who love women? And all of a sudden there was a hush in the audience. And I thought, I just outed myself to this 60 or 80 women that were sitting in this huge room. And here I'm going to be here all week and nobody will speak to me. And then this goes back in early, um, the early 90s when it wasn't talked about yet the idea of lesbianism and one woman tentatively raised her hand as she says how does a woman make that discovery and then another woman raised her hand and said what kind of men are they married to and another question was how do their children deal with it and I realized my god if these women had those questions they couldn't be the only ones and I realized it was too important a topic to write as an article it needed to be a book absolutely and that's where it started Oh my gosh, that you're you're so right. And and you had this audience right there raising their hands, giving you your chapter titles. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. But it was still it was difficult to do. I, you know, I hadn't yet come out to my family. I hadn't come out to anyone. I was at dinner with a friend who was a writer, and I said, I'm thinking of writing a book about married women who love women. And she said, you know, I can't see you wasting your time on that. She says, I don't know who would be interested in a topic like that. Anyway, I dropped her off after dinner. I got into the house. She calls me up. She says, Karen, write that damn book. I said, what are you talking about? She said, I came home. My husband was pacing the floor. He had just gotten a call from his best friend. His wife had left him for another woman. So this was the first person that I had mentioned the book to. That was the response. 
and and on and on and on and on and on i'm sure when you when you talk about it like you said there are so many people who this was not something that was talked about at the time but even today when when people are more open you're talking about married women and it's, it's still a frightening topic exactly you know if, if uh, an 18 year old young girl who isn't attached you know once wants it both ways or is exploring that's a very different idea than someone married for 25 years with children exactly exactly yeah so i could certainly see why the women that your book is touching are people that this is a can of worms that they're opening in their own heart first of all like you built but then I, I'd, like to, I'd like to share this story please after the first edition came out and now there have been three different editions because so much has been added the third edition has a chapter now on transgenders um after the first edition came out uh somebody had oh, several people texted me what about the the single lovers of married women and everybody wanted their piece in the book Anyway, I was doing a talk and this woman came and it was a really stormy night. If I wasn't the speaker, I never would have come. I mean, it was really bad out. This woman came in clutching the book and sobbing and she came right up to me and she said, your book saved my life. And then she shared her story that she thought she was the only married woman ever to have fallen in love with another woman. And she had no idea who to talk to, where to turn, what she could do. And she decided the only thing she could do for her husband and children was kill herself. And she had actually planned her suicide. Even now, when I tell the story, I get goose pimples years later. She had actually planned her suicide for a night that she knew her husband and children were going to be home late. And she was walking home from, from work for what she thought would be the last time. And she passed a bookstore and they were putting my book in the window. When she saw the title, Married Women Who Love Women, she knew she wasn't alone. Now, how, how synchronistic is that? And she decided not to kill herself. Oh my gosh. And I mean, I can still see her face. I can't remember her name, but I, I, I can still got, see her. I just got shivers, but you know, I'm so delighted. Well, of course that she, she survived. I'm so glad that she told you, but it makes me think if she told you how many other people have you changed? Have you saved? Have you altered the, the very course of their life and they didn't get the chance to tell you? Well, I, I was doing a talk of, on book writing at the uh, International Women's Writers Guild several years later. And I was using the book as an example of what to do when you're writing a book, how to organize it, et cetera, et cetera. And so I told them the title of the book. And one woman gets up and she says, I think that's disgusting. And she walks out and slams the door. Anyway, several years later, I was at the same conference doing another workshop. This woman comes up to me, she says, do you remember me? I said, I'm sorry, but I don't. She says, I took your workshop a few years ago and I was the one who told you I thought it was disgusting. She said, I want you to know I'm living with another woman now. Oh, so, you know, he who doth protest the most. I see that's the line. He who doth protest the most. Absolutely. That's one of the things I've learned is it's never about me. It's about you and how you choose to hear what I say. Yes. where you are on your own particular journey. So somebody who's walking out of your workshop, you know where, <laughs> what's going on there. That's mm -hmm. unbelievable. Yes, I'm sure. That's what I was going to ask you about pushback. And I want to wind it back to your family. You know, I, I work with a lot of authors and many of them 
reveal things in their books that they think, oh goodness, you know, I I never told my mother about this or or my husband. And, and, you know, we end up having that conversation about the fact that when you put something in a book, you're kind of like putting it on a billboard out there for the entire world. And, and are you ready? I, but you put your billboard right there in the cover. So. <laughs> well, it, it was, it was terrifying at the beginning. I thought, um, do I have the right to do this? What about my family? Will they be in jeopardy? Will they be in danger? What about myself? Um, and I knew to do it, I had to do it honestly. And to do it honestly, I had to come out. Right. I couldn't do it in third person. I had to share my story. And so I did, you know, and um, I spoke to my children. I spoke to my husband and it, it was difficult at the beginning. I can't say it was all smooth sailing, Gosh. but I have the most wonderful family they're very very supportive and um they accept me for who and what i am That's and i've been i've been blessed that way when i i showed my brother the introduction of my book which basically tells my story he says karen you're my sister i love you i don't care who or what you are i love you and that was the response i got from everybody um my mom was alive at the time when the first book came out and she said, you know, I'm only sorry you didn't tell me earlier, so I could have helped you. I could have been there to support you. And my husband, I know him since I'm 16 years old. And I would never throw him away, and he would never throw me away. So we basically kind of worked it out. And um, I, I believe that I was chosen to write the book because uh, I always kind of had a secret dream of being a writer. And in college... Everyone got back their first English papers with A's and B's and notations. I got mine back with a big red letter C on it with no notations. And I went to the professor and I said, what can I do to improve my writing? And he said, honey, some people are writers and some aren't, and you're not a writer. <laughs> I believed him. I didn't pick up a pen for more than 15 years because I could keep hearing, I kept hearing his voice in my head. Then I was an extra with the movie The Natural with Robert Redford. And I was on the set for about a month. And every night I came home, I was bombarded with questions by my family, by my neighbors, by my friends. And finally, I said to a friend of mine who was a writer, I said, I'm so tired of telling the same story again and again. She said, well, write it down and I'll make it into a story for you. And what she did is she relieved me of the angst. And I sat down and I said, I saw an ad in the paper, blah, blah, blah. And I wrote this whole thing. And she looks at it. She said, Karen, it's a story and it's finished. And Women's Day agreed with her. They published it as their major story. Mean Robert Redford, they called it. Wow. So um, I still could hear this teacher's voice, a voice in my head, you're not a writer, but it wasn't quite as strong. And I started writing little pieces and I got a lot of rejections and I got a few acceptances here and there. And it grew and my confidence grew. And um, whenever I do a workshop, I tell people, don't ever listen to anyone who tells you you cannot or you are not. You know, Some people might be easier. You don't see all the mountains of discarded paper that I have from this project. You only see the finished product. You know, and that's how writing is. It's, you know, you're sitting yourself down, sticking to the seat of that chair and doing it. I started writing the book because it needed to be written. And I've written seven other books in addition. So it wasn't a one-shot deal. Yes. But um, 
I did a, a mystery that takes place in Coney Island and the uh, second in the, my Coney Island series is coming out hopefully within a few months. And I, I'm a very eclectic writer. And it's just, um, you know, if somebody writes all mysteries, people know to, to look for you if they're mystery readers. But because I write eclectic books, it's very difficult. But anyway, if people go to my website, they'll see my work. And I think each book stands for itself and each book talks, you know. Uh Tells so, story. so when you started writing, the floodgates opened. Fiction, nonfiction. Basically, yes. Yeah. You, were, you were just ready to start writing. Well, as an author who writes both fiction and nonfiction, uh, is one harder than the other for you? Or are they so completely different? It's like apples and oranges. You know, it's like having a child and then having another. Your mm -hmm. love grows to expand each book becomes the precious one. I love that. You know, and each book is an individual. I had somebody come up to me at a workshop and she said, well, I have a great idea for a story, but I want to wait till I can really write well. So I'll write another book first. I said, write the book you're passionate about. It'll come to you. Yeah. And she did. She, you know, I said, I said, well, what's the story about? And she kind of told me, but when she started talking about this particular book, her face glowed, it lit up. So that's the book you have to write. Yes. And that's how my books have all come to me in different ways. Uh, when I moved back to Brooklyn, I live in Brooklyn, New York. I was walking past a park early in the morning and there were a group of people doing uh, Tai Chi. And um, for some reason it came to me, my dad used to take my children to the park. And what if a grandfather took a child to the park and he saw that, you know, adults, and because the child would think the park was for children. And uh, that became Grandpa and Me in the Park in the City. It's a rhyming picture book. And then I was at a conference and they were doing visualizations and you had to close your eyes and visualize. And I visualized a woman on a mound in the beach. And when she turned sideways, she was pregnant. And that night as I'm sleeping, the name Mallory McGill came to me and I thought, she, somebody has taken her baby. And that was the beginning of In the Shadow of the Wonder Wheel that took place in Coney Island. Mm. And so each book started differently. When I was living, I was living in Buffalo for a while and there was a fruit stand closing for uh, several days. And he said, 50 pounds of potatoes, $3 or something. It was really a, a great deal. So I stopped and he said, tell you what, I'll give you three bags because I'm closing the stand. And I came home with 150 pounds of potatoes. So what do you do with them? So I had my kids running all over the neighborhood, giving bags of potatoes to everyone. And then neighbors started giving me recipes. And that wound up to be a cookbook called Potatoes with Appeal. 101 <laughs> recipes with potatoes. You know. And so that was a different book. And then um, I was doing a workshop at this the writers conference that I attended. And that became a writer's journey. What to know before, during and after writing a book. Mm. And I think that one is a it's a marvelous book to have. It's the mistakes I made, the things I learned around along my way. It's got little exercises for people to do. And so that was its own book. But before I started that book, I started the one about the Wonder Wheel, about the baby, the missing baby. And then so many people came to my workshop and they came one year after another. I said, but I already gave you the information. And they said, no, you have more information every year. So I stopped one book and I wrote the other book. And then I went back to the other book. But each one, as I picked it up, right now I just finished a book called um, The Cahill Ghost. And it's about a 13-year-old ghost 
who has to has to find out exactly what happened before she could go to her beyond and, and meet her family and takes place in 1905. And that happened because um, somebody posted something on Facebook saying, does anybody believe in um, supernatural? And there were so many posts, I couldn't believe it. And years before we had stayed at the Holiday Inn in Grand, on Grand Island. And one of the women who worked there told me a story about a ghost who inhabited that hotel. And she stayed with me forever. Her name was Tanya, but my ghost is um, Letty, Letitia. And so that book came to me and it just, uh, people started telling me their stories and those were incorporated into this book about this little girl. Fantastic. And um, I love that you have a, know. a lesbian, para, a lesbian uh, paranormal, it's called Tangled Ribbons. I had to stop and think. And it's a, it started out as a relationship story with two women. And all of a sudden, as I'm typing, it comes up. But I knew that. I sat back like, who's this I? And I realized she has a spirit guide. Mm. And so it became a book with two parallel worlds in it. Mm. And then the other character in the book is, was nudging me and saying, what about me? What about me? So she had to have a spirit guide. This is a funny story. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry I'm going on and on. But um after the book came out a while later, the Married Women book, I had an article in um, Newsweek and they sent me the letters that they received about my article. And one of them was from somebody named Cornelia. And she said, if I found something out, if I found out something like that after I was married, I'd keep my mouth shut and take it to my grave. And I thought that poor soul. So when I started writing this book about these two women, the spirit guide became Cornelia. And it's got a twist ending because she's as nasty as can be, but then you find out why mm. and she changes. Ah. So each book wrote its, you know, started itself. Absolutely. So I've enjoyed it. I, I love that you mentioned with all of your fiction stories what that impetus was. And sometimes the impetus was something uh, that happened to you, like ending up with 50 pounds of potatoes. And sometimes it was the impetus was something that you saw, like a woman on the beach with a baby. You know, so many times people come to me and say, I would love to write a book. I want to write fiction. I want to write stories, but I don't have any ideas. And you've just proven that ideas are everywhere. It's just, Absolutely. it's just kind of tuning, like they're just flying through the air and, and you need to be open to them, you know, go through life with your eyes open. But, but most of us probably hit like 10, 15 story ideas a day, just in the course of our, our existence and you acted on them, which is amazing. People, people are afraid. They think, you know, they're seeing 400 pages piled on their desk. And it's it's very terrifying, very frightening. So what I say in my book on a writer's journey is think of each chapter as a short story. And then it's not as overwhelming. You know, and you put all the notes that refer to the one chapter in chapter in the folder number one. And then you put the next notes. Maybe this is for chapter five and you put it in folder number five. So if you break it down to smaller bits, it's it's a little easier. But I can't say it's it didn't it didn't go that easily with the married women book. I had joined a group of uh, uh, professional networkers, women women in business, and we all sat around round tables. And every every month they'd come up with another topic, and as we discussed the topic, we got to know each other. And one topic was um, 
something I'm having difficulty with. And we went around the table. Somebody was having difficulty with childcare. Somebody needed a new apartment. Somebody looking for a new job. I said, I'm having difficulty finding time to write because I work full time. And they asked what I was writing about. And I told them about the book. Anyway, then one of the other women said, I'm having difficulty in getting people to help me with mailings and things for this organization. And everyone said they'd help. And I said, I'd help. And she said to me, I don't want your help. She said, what chapter are you on? And maybe I was on chapter four, chapter five. And she said, next month, I want to hear you're on chapter seven. And what she did is she gave me the confidence. She believed in my book enough to tell me it was important to do it. And so I never learned her last name. Her first name was Doris. And she has a little credit in the book just for telling me that. So all these things, you know, people come into our lives for different reasons. And yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that story because too often we do for others and don't do for ourselves. There you were ready to do her whole mailing list when you had just five minutes earlier mentioned that you were having trouble finding time to write and yet you were giving away that time and that's unbelievably selfless but sometimes as a writer you have to be a little selfish and I'm glad that she allowed you to be selfish about that and uh perhaps Doris also uh wanted a copy of your book so she wanted it finished because she wanted to find out for herself never know <laughs> you don't know but Doris was like I gotta find out what what it all this book because like yeah. you mentioned earlier there are a lot more people who are uh potential readers for your book than you might have realized at the outset, especially when you were at that conference and, and everybody was asking a million questions, which became the basis for, I'm sure, many of the chapters of your book. Um, I, I must ask you, because you mentioned it with what some of the things that women were asking, uh, you mentioned a husband and children and telling them, um, you know, you were writing this book and this book was coming out. Uh, just out of curiosity, which was the more difficult conversation, the husband or the children? The husband. <laughs> <laughs> you said they were all supportive. And well, my, my uh, son has a lot of friends in, in, the, um, in the arts. Okay. And so he's comfortable with people, gay people, straight people. And when I came out to my daughter, when I told her about it, she said, I never wanted to know what you and dad did behind closed doors. And I don't want to know what you're doing behind closed doors now. But the next day she called me and she said, I told my friend about you. And she said, and he came out to me. He had never come out to anyone else, but I made it comfortable enough for this teenage boy to come out. So my well, maybe he was in his twenties. Yeah. Right, but all, all of the, the lives that you are changing, even a teenage boy or a young man, you know, not not the audience for your book per se, but nobody felt comfortable enough to exactly. talk about it. Exactly, yeah, he was in his early twenties, I'm sure, at the time. Right. The yeah. fact that you are open and comfortable means that other people are seeing that, like that woman who passed your book being put out in the bookstore window. Yeah, you know, yeah. you really opened a whole lot of doors for people, and and your courage in doing so, because believe me. This took an awful lot of courage. The book, your family, um, you know, a, a lot of people like that woman who said she'd rather go to her grave with the secret. And you thought, how terrible that her whole life would be 
a lie. Yeah, yeah. Cornelia never forgot her name. You know, but in entangled ribbons, there's a twist ending. That's my lesbian romance, and it's just I love it. You know, I love what happens to her and why she is who she is. Yeah. And some of the characters came from people that I had spoken to, like their kind of stories, and some of them totally, totally created themselves. This Cornelia was, it was her own creation. She just, the more I wrote, the more I wanted to write about her, that kind of thing. Amazing. Yeah. That's it amazing. was fun. I, but when I tell people, I'd like to share this, because um, a lot of people say, but how, how do you write? You know, do you have a special time? That, right, right. I, make, I say, make a list, make two lists, the people who are supportive and the people who are not supportive. And never talk about your writing to the people who are not supportive because they'll pull you down so quickly. You mean you don't want to go out to dinner? Oh, come on, it's a good movie. And the people who are supportive will stand behind you. Right, right. And I've been very lucky that I have a lot of supportive people behind me. Yeah. Not a lot, but. Yeah. And, that's, and that's great advice for us, whether you're a writer or you're, you're taking up, you know, dancing or painting or even just, you know, on a career path or debating, you know, whether or not you even want to have children. There are people in your life who build you up and people in your life who tear you down. And the sooner you realize which people are in which corner and you spend mm -hmm. time with those people, the better off you will be. Absolutely. You know, that's a huge statement. I was I was going to ask you two questions. Um, one is I always ask authors who are with me um, for tips for a, a new author. Um, I'm also going to ask you for tips for people who might be discovering they're a married woman in love with their friend or so, just because we have that as a topic. But we'll start with writers. And, and, and that's a great tip, which is surround yourself with support. What else would you tell our aspiring writers out there? Surround yourself with positive people. Um, it's not how long it takes you to write. It's a finished product. I have a, uh, my friend's daughter when she was 12 wanted to be a writer. It's my, actually it was my son's friend. And um, she got a, a rejection letter in the mail and she was dancing all over the house. Mommy, mommy, I got a rejection letter. And her mother says, honey, a rejection letter means they didn't want your piece. She says, I know, but it means I'm a real writer because every real writer gets rejection letters. And she knew that was part of the trip. So what I would tell people is send your piece out and have on your desk a list of where you're going to send it if it comes back rejected. Don't put it in the drawer. Don't wait. Get it back out in the mail the same day. But if you get several rejection letters with no handwritten notes, then maybe you need to relook you know, relook at your piece. If you get handwritten notes, you know, send, try us again, but not, this piece was not for us, you know, you're on the right track. But rejection is part of writing. Yes, rejection absolutely is part of writing. I know in Stephen King's memoir on writing, he knew that so well that when he got his first rejection letter, and he got many, uh, he he had a nail in his attic, which was his office, and he stuck it up on the nail. And eventually, he needed a longer nail and a stake. <laughs> yes, even the top writers have so many rejection letters, and and he just kind of put the nail there. You know, as he sent off the first one, he was ready because real writers 
get rejection letters. I love that. In the writer's journey, I have a whole section on the famous rejection letters. Oh my um, gosh. And Frank, when her father tried to, to publish her diary, many rejection letters, so many, so many. But some of them are fun stories. Um, nobody's interested in stories about animals. That was a rejection letter from, um, oh gosh. <laughs> the book is skipping me. It's not uh, where the wild things are. I feel like I heard no. the rejection letter somewhere. It'll It'll come to me. Yes. This is, oh, I keep a pad and a pencil near my desk, in, in the bedroom, near my bed, in the kitchen. I have one in the bathroom because when ideas come, they just flow through. Fantastic. Like you just saw now. Exactly. <laughs> They're just flowing through. And, and what would you tell the woman who has just maybe discovered, possibly even later in life, that she loves women? What would you tell that person? I'd say... Don't be hasty. Mm. Don't jump at anything. When I first found out about myself, people said, oh, you have to leave your marriage. But then I thought to myself, maybe there are other ways this can work. Maybe a redefined relationship. So don't listen to people. Again, the naysayers, no, you must do this. Everybody is not wearing the same pair of shoes. Everybody's not in the same place. Some women that I interviewed said, um, they had all intentions of leaving their husband, but first they wanted to complete their education. And then what they realized is they were able to redefine their relationships and make it work. Mm -hmm. Some who felt they were going to remain in their marriages didn't work. But again, it takes two people. You know, you have to know who you're married to. But the most important thing is once you say the words, you can't ever take them back. Mm -hmm. You have to be prepared for whatever journey will follow. I just did an essay. I think it's going to be in October of the Ethel, that's uh, one of the um, magazines from ARP, it's mm -hmm. on, an online magazine, and it's on relationships between women. And it's about older women. Many of them straight their whole lives are turning to women because men are dying earlier. Oh. You know, there's a big population of women and it may, might be just for friendships, but they might be missing holding and cuddling and they may turn to another woman for that there's you know, like society when i was when i was younger we knew girls married boys and boys married girls and that was it but if i showed you the, the crayons red yellow and blue and said what's your favorite color and i never showed you chartreuse and purple and orange you're choosing from a limited selection and that's what was happening in our world and now we're more open thanks to magazines you know and um professionals that have come out we people are, are more comfortable coming out on their own and so our world is changing yes, it is. and it's a it's a very natural thing everyone's first love is another woman it's the sense the sound the touch the smell the feel of the mother and then when little girls are two or three they're told no you're going to marry somebody like your daddy and so they follow that the rule but the generations have changed since this book, the first edition came out in 1998. Wow. And many things have changed since then. And many things have remained the same. There's one chapter in the third edition on woulda, coulda, shoulda is the title of it. And I interviewed women who had chosen to remain or chosen to leave their marriages years before. And some were happy with the choices they made and some weren't. 
So it's it's part of life. Wow. Did I, I don't know if I mentioned, but the third edition has just come out as a classic. Oh, fantastic. It's 25 years after the first edition was written. And it still has, um, it resonates with people. That's amazing. Well, let me just remind our our listeners about Married Women Who Love Women and More by author Karen Strock, uh, available at online bookstores, but also please visit karenstrock.com for this book, as well as her fiction books, because Karen is just Oh my goodness, uh, a renaissance woman here, and I'm just so delighted to have you on. Karen, you're changing lives all over. I'm thrilled to have you on the show with me today. Thank you so much, Stephanie. You're, you're delightful. Oh, such my pleasure. And I know that being here today will change people. Thank you. Thank you so much.